This is Radio Influence. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, we have flipped the calendar, and what a wild, wild end to 2017, not only with the NFL finished to the regular season, but also then on New Year's Day with some crazy bowl activity in college football. And we're back. Happy New Year. As we come your way on Three Dog Thursday, the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. And we should make mention we're eventually going to circle our way around to college basketball and talk lots of college hoops leading to March Madness in the Final Four once we run out of football ammunition. But that won't be for a little bit here on the show. I can't do this by myself. Senior handicapper, Vegas Insider and VegasInsider.com. Happy New Year, Kevin Rogers. Good to be with you, sir. Good to talk to you again, TJ, and obviously now we're getting to the second season of the NFL, some very interesting matchups and other ones that are pretty forgetful, but I will say whenever you have games you're not looking forward to, those are always going to be the greatest games you'll ever see. It's, uh, yeah, it sometimes does work out that way, and you can't look, it's elimination, it's playoffs, so we're anxious about that. Kudos to Kevin, who had the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who pulled off the upset in Seattle at the end of Week 17. Um, I, I did hit with UCF on New Year's Day. I picked them as the outright winner against Auburn. I took the nine and a half points. They did win the game. We're on them in a few moments. Uh, thumbs down to Oklahoma, who played no defense whatsoever uh, in the Rose Bowl. I had them, and then Carolina didn't get it done against uh, against Atlanta. You know, there were two or three situations there in the NFL where teams with nothing to play for, like Arizona. Uh, messed it up for Seattle, like Cincinnati obviously messed it up for Baltimore and allowed the Ravens to get in. Even my Buccaneers beat the Saints for the Carolina Panthers. The door was open for Carolina to win the division and get a home game. They couldn't walk through it. They couldn't beat the Falcons, so the Falcons get in as a third NFC South team. They are in, uh, and we'll talk more about the NFL in a little bit. But, hey, just as a, a quick comment, Sunday and Monday, just a football barrage to keep up with with the end of the NFL season and the college bowl games, including those two playoff games. Did you have to have extra eyeballs, extra TV screens there on some of that, Kevin? Well, I mean, it was, uh, it was very busy, but uh, you know what? It, it's still... If you go back through the entire, you know, weekend of everything that happened, I mean, obviously on Sunday, you know, the 425 games, you know, it took a little bit of time. And then obviously, you know, the Baltimore game got good late and, you know, it was a lot of fun. It really was. And like you just mentioned about, you know, we have a big problem in sports and, I, and I've learned this over the years, you know, don't play the must-win card. This team must win, so they're going to win. Baltimore has to win, so they're going to win. You know, and Seattle has to mm. win, so they're going to win. Arizona's got nothing to play for. Cincinnati's nothing to play for. And you know what? They went out on the road, and they upset these teams. And I just think that sometimes you get some good value in betting when you take the points with teams that have nothing to play for against teams with all the pressure on them. You know, who says Baltimore is any kind of world beater? Seattle's offense has been terrible the last month or so. And, and you saw how it was reflected in, in how those teams lost. So really, 
you know, I just think we have a big problem, and I think it's a good learning lesson, you know, this whole must-win situation. You know what? Take the points with these other teams, and you're probably going to make some money. Yeah, and so, again, that's uh, part of the underdog philosophy that we have here, and so we're going to have uh, fun on this show. want to tell you a little bit later on in the show, we're going to talk to you more about our sponsor, FanPlayoff.com. Uh, in progress right now, you can play postseason fantasy football for free in a three-team or three-person or four- or five-person or team draft league right now drafting those nfl playoff uh, players and teams uh, team defenses for free and compete against others head-to-head you'll find out more about fanplayoff.com later on in this program all right so college football first here uh, back to ucf and the win over auburn it's easy to say now but again i said it at the time i thought they were going to match up with them speed wise mckenzie milton we know because we're in florida kevin you're down in south florida i'm in west central florida we watch UCF all season long in the American Athletic Conference. We knew how good McKenzie Milton was, their skill position guys. Uh, and, and now they got their chance on the big stage against a big boy from the SEC, and they put it on them. Give me, give me a quick thought on what you saw as UCF now has a perfect 13-0 season after their Peach Bowl win. You can't take away anything from them, you know? And unfortunately, I don't like the, uh, the narrative of Auburn didn't care. Come on. Like, Auburn cared a lot. You know why? Because everyone's talking about how Auburn lost to a team from the American in their bowl game. You know, Auburn wanted to finish off the season with a win and to show, hey, we were good enough to be in the Final Four. So for anybody to say that Auburn didn't care about being there, I just don't buy that at all. And for UCF to go in there, it's, it's still a hard one. It's very hard for them to be one of the top four teams in the country playing for the national championship. I'd like to see it just because you were asked to win every single game and you did that. I'd like to see what they could do, but it's hard to make an argument for the other four teams to kick one of them out. So I get, I understand all the arguments, but I would like to see what UCF, maybe not against Alabama, but what they could do against, you know, like Georgia or Oklahoma or Clemson. I mean, Syracuse caught Clemson in one game, and Syracuse lost their final six of the season. Iowa State caught Oklahoma. You're telling me UCF couldn't catch one of them or make it competitive. So, you know, for UCF, you know, it was a very good season, and Scott Frost now moves on to Nebraska, and UCF probably won't be the same moving forward, but uh, it's still a very good accomplishment. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing what they were able to do, but it's not uncommon. I mean, we have now seen this numerous times. You made reference to some other situations. Utah uh, had an unbeaten year under Kyle Winningham, beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, we, we saw uh, recently uh, UCF themselves defeat Baylor a couple of years ago in that same Peach Bowl, Houston over Florida State. Of course, the famous Boise State undefeated season where they beat Adrian Peterson in Oklahoma with the Statue of Liberty play in the overtime in the Fiesta Bowl. This has become a common thing where, where we're watching TCU go to the Rose Bowl and beat Wisconsin, the group of five teams finding a way to win. And, and look, that, that Auburn team beat both Alabama and Georgia in November. Granted, they were home games. They beat them at home. And I agree with you. They played hard in the second half. They were down at halftime 13-6. to They came back, took the lead in the third quarter. They were playing hard. UCF just outplayed them. All right, I'm going to put one up on a tee here and let you just kick it through the uprights or do whatever you want with it. The UCF athletic director, Danny White, the UCF fans are kind of going overboard with this whole national champions thing. They're, going to t- they're talking about having a parade. They're talking about they're going to put a banner up that says National Champions 2017 at their stadium in Orlando, Spectrum Stadium, that he's even going to pay out the national championship bonuses in Scott Frost and the assistant coaches' contracts. 
Are they are they taking this narrative a little too far with the whole we've been wronged, we should be national champ stuff? I'm going to say yes and no. That you want to have a parade for them, that's fine. You want to celebrate their accomplishment, that's fine. To put up a banner say they're the national champions, they weren't the national champions. I mean, they didn't win the national championship, so you you know you aren't the national champion. If you want to pay these guys, even though Scott Frost is, you know, I understand him going to Nebraska, but he's still bailing right. on you. If you right. want to pay him for that, that's your money. That's your athletic department's money. Go ahead. Um, I, I understand where there's criticism. I also understand where there's scorn on their part. But for them, you know, they could celebrate however they want, but the facts are the facts. They went yeah. undefeated. They won a bowl game against the SEC team that ended up beating the two teams in the national championship. But UCF didn't beat Alabama. They didn't beat Georgia, who are playing for the national championship. So they're not the national champions. So it kind of looks a little – that's just a ridiculous thing to put up a banner. If you want to put undefeated season, yep. Peach Bowl champions, that's true. You did that. But to do something else, that's it's, – it's past ridiculous. It's just – it's not even factual. That's true, too. Uh, but I understand part of the argument, which is if we're ever going to go loud and squawk and brag, this is the moment because we don't know if we're ever going to be undefeated again, number one. We don't know if we're going to be the only undefeated team ever again and, and be left out of the playoff like this. So they're trying to ride high and, and do what they can. So interesting on that front. Hey, uh, we will, let's, we'll morph it a little bit into the championship game, but the Oklahoma-Georgia score fest in the Rose Bowl. What a wild, exciting game. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk uh, in other outlets and other places about the game. You've got the platform here. Your thoughts on a, a crazy Rose Bowl that goes to double overtime, first ever overtime Rose Bowl, and Georgia eventually wins it 54-48 to to advance to the championship game. Quick thought from you, Kevin Rogers. Well, I mean, we we knew that Oklahoma's defense wasn't very good, so when Oklahoma got up, that Georgia had a chance to come back. But, you know, it, it's still tough to come back, and Georgia did that. And even after Oklahoma scored that defensive touchdown, for Georgia to still tie the game, go to overtime, get the block field goal, and score the game winner, still a very impressive win. And, you know, I understand that, you know, you can say that if Georgia doesn't block that field goal, maybe Oklahoma's in the national championship and not Georgia, but... Georgia made one extra play that Oklahoma did. And, you know, they talk about the game of inches, all this other cliche stuff, but it's true. They made they got one hand in there when they had to. They made the play. Oklahoma didn't. And that's why Georgia has a shot at the national championship. And they ran the daylights out of the ball with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, each going over 150 yards in the game. Oklahoma with just no defense for a lot of that game. Yeah, they had the scoop and score in the second half, but for much of that game, even after being up 31-14, they just did not play defense, and uh, it's a shame. And in the end, uh, how about Baker Mayfield in the first overtime? They hand the ball off on all three plays before kicking the field goal. I know a lot of Oklahoma fans, a lot of uh, media have been dissecting that. Uh, I mean, you're going to go out. Don't you go out with guns a-blazing? If he throws an interception, he throws an interception, et cetera. But instead, you're handing it off, huh? Yeah, you put the ball in your best player's hands and make him make plays. And not even your best player, the Heisman Trophy winner. You know, and it's, it's like a basketball game. If LeBron James takes the ball down and, and he's having someone else shoot the ball, you know, you got to have right. your, your best player make the plays. And, and, you know, they didn't do that. And they can look back at it and say, you know, was that the reason? You can look at a lot of things in the game, but, you know, there's no reason at all to be running the ball three times, especially in college where it's very hard to trust the kickers. Yes, and we've seen that. And, of course, Georgia eventually got. Uh, the blocked field goal, 
uh, in this one as well. So, uh, yeah, a crazy Rose Bowl. And then Alabama putting it on Clemson. Uh, give the Tide a lot of credit with their defense. How surprised were you that Clemson just could not really do anything offensively throughout that game, could not run the ball, Kelly Bryant could not get on track, and Alabama got the two huge turnovers that they turned into 14 points? How, I mean, it's easy to say after the fact, but how surprised that Clemson could not do anything offensively with Alabama, Kevin? Well, I guess it goes to show you, I mean, unfortunately, how valuable Deshaun Watson was and what he did the last two years against Alabama where Alabama had a lot of injuries, and yet Clemson couldn't do anything against them. And that's not a, it's not a slight on Kelly Bryant. It's just the fact that Deshaun Watson was an elite quarterback and some of the plays he was able to make. But then again, on the flip side, you can say that even though you know last year Clemson won the championship, they were a few seconds away from losing that game you know, to Alabama. So, I mean, Alabama really could have been on their way to a major dynasty, and Clemson tripped them up last year, and Alabama was obviously very motivated. And you know what? No matter what people say, Alabama didn't win the SEC championship. Who cares? They belong in the Final Four, and that's why they're in the championship game right now. And you give Nick Saban a month. I mean, I, I know Ohio State beat them four years ago in the Sugar Bowl in the first-ever college football playoff semifinal, but generally speaking, almost every time he gets a month to prepare, look out. Uh, you can you can ask Clemson this year. Uh, you can ask Washington last year. You can ask Michigan State that did not score on them in the Cotton Bowl uh, a couple of years ago, give him a month and uh, and look out. Now he's got a week, and the same thing with his uh, former disciple in Kirby Smart. They've got the same week uh, for this matchup coming up, but uh, it's going to be a little tougher. But still, you, you give him thirty days; it's almost uh, it's almost a guarantee. All right. So for three dog Thursday purposes, you and I are not going to take the Georgia Bulldogs here. Neither one of us believe in them and the four points. So we'll go ahead and put that out there. What do you believe Georgia's going to be able to run the ball on them? By the way, Monday night in the Mercedes Benz uh, Stadium and this and this showdown in the college football playoff championship game, or is Alabama's defense going to smother them, stifle them, hold them down? I mean, I, I don't expect uh, Chubb and Michelle to have 150 yards each like they did in the Rose Bowl, Kevin. No, they're not. I mean, the defenses aren't even comparable when you look at Oklahoma and Alabama and. You, know, you can throw out any kind of home field, even though Georgia would have the best home field against anybody playing in Atlanta, except for Alabama. You know, and you know, you're, you, I guess you have to throw that out because Alabama's had so much experience playing in Atlanta, and uh, you know, Alabama played in the opener against FSU at Mercedes-Benz right. Stadium. Georgia played Auburn in the SEC championship, so both of them played a game in that stadium. That's not going to be as big of a factor, but. I mean, do I love Alabama? I don't love Alabama, but I can't really make a convincing, a convincing uh, argument for Georgia unless you were to say, you know, line movement where the line is going more in Georgia's favor on this one. And I don't know if that's just an anti-Alabama sentiment or what. We're seeing what Georgia did in two overtimes. But, again, Georgia played a lousy defense in Oklahoma. And, yeah, it was a very good offense, but at the same time, I can't see where Alabama is going to give up 30-something points. I just I don't see it. And I know Alabama got a lot of flack this year for not having a great schedule because the SEC parts of it were down. But what are you supposed to do about that? You know, and we, we always get into the schedule talk. And, you know, yeah, some of your non-conference may be shaky, all of you. But, you know, for your conference, you can't help that. Well, and again, uh, Alabama played that opening game with Florida State at full strength with DeAndre Francois, quarterback. They handled him that night. And now they get a chance to conclude the season in that same Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, against Georgia. And you talk about a tough ticket. Just one more on this. 
with the proximity of Athens to Atlanta, with the fact that there are thousands, tens of thousands of Georgia alumni that live in Atlanta, when you talk about the state of Alabama can empty out on the weekend and drive to Atlanta, Kevin, there, there's conservatively going to be a hundred, two hundred thousand people that will drive into Atlanta Saturday and Sunday to be part of the atmosphere, the festivities that don't have tickets to the game. This is going to be an insane seller's market ticket, and it would not surprise me if even going to Monday night, it's going to be a lot like what the Super Bowl is or a Game 7 of the NBA Finals where it's going to take 2000 3000 or more dollars to get into Mercedes-Benz Stadium just because the proximity of, of both Georgia and, and Alabama and the fan bases – uh, it could not work out any better for those that have tickets that are going on the secondary market and trying to offload them. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It works out from a regional standpoint that this, this national championship is not in the Rose Bowl or Fiesta Bowl where people have to travel across the country in a week that it's so close for everyone. For Georgia, it's a, it's a stone's throw away. And for Alabama, it's not far away. So it actually, from that standpoint, works out. I don't really know what the best matchup is. I mean, forget about these top four, but who you can have in there where the whole nation is that fired up about it. It's, it, it's just, it is what it is. You know I mean? Alabama is, is the gold standard. And you look at Georgia, an SEC team that, you know, has finally broke through this year. I mean, would you rather see USC or Oklahoma? There's only a handful of teams, you know, but, but also goes on the flip side too. What if UCF got in that top four and it was Alabama and UCF? Would people be fired up because they want the upset, or is this just a better game, Alabama-Georgia? You know, so you kind of got to go back to that as well. All right, there you go. So there's a bunch on the college football playoff and the championship game coming on Monday night. We're going to turn our attention coming up to the NFL, Kevin Rogers, and these playoff games for this weekend. We're going to talk a little fanplayoff.com, our sponsor, and then you and I have the quest out of the four AFC and NFC wildcard playoff games to come up with three underdogs between the two of us. Some analysis, some underdog predictions coming up. Kevin, stand by as he comes back with us a little bit later on on Three Dog Thursday. It's the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. Happy New Year, everybody. Much more on the way. Stay with us. Well, we are excited because we are in the midst of the NFL playoffs and the NFL wildcard weekend kicking it all off. And speaking of kicking it all off, it's here. It's available. It is fanplayoff.com. You're going to play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free at fanplayoff.com. Let's bring in the president and CEO of fanplayoff.com. He's back. He's Mr. Rusty Walker. Are you amped up? Are you ready to draft? Are you ready to, to participate with these playoffs with the different players, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and defenses in postseason fantasy football? Are you ready to go? TJ, this is the reason that we play fantasy football is it's for the postseason and the playoffs. Uh, we are so excited. In fact, I just finished my first draft, uh, and it was just awesome, the amount of players that you have to choose from and getting this playoff season started uh, the right way. So we are super excited uh, to play postseason football like never before. Yeah, well, we're going to do that coming up this week with four wild card games. And, of course, there are also four teams. There are eight teams playing this weekend. There are four teams that are not playing, so all of this is involved in strategy for fanplayoff.com and here's how it's going to work right i mean the the listeners that are hearing us right now can sign up at fanplayoff.com and play in either a 3 
person, four-person, or five-person league. So bring your friends to either one of those leagues, and you get the opportunity to draft these postseason players before they play in the playoff games. And, and really, there's a lot of strategy that is going to be involved along the way. Strategy number one, Rusty, is for these games this weekend, Titans, Chiefs, Rams, Falcons, uh, Jaguars, Bills, and then Saints against Panthers on Sunday. How much do you value or want a player that's playing this weekend versus guys like maybe Tom Brady or the Steelers' defense or or teams and players that you think may go deep into the playoffs, if not win the Super Bowl? That's a real challenge as we go into the wild card weekend and we do these drafts at FanPlayoff.com, right? It is. It is a challenge, and that's where the uh, strategy comes in uh, for sure, TJ. Uh, so what we have to keep in mind is that we're going to pick a starting lineup from the playoff teams each week. Uh, and, of course, like you were saying, if we're going to uh, want a Tom Brady uh, for New England or a Roethlisberger or someone that we has a bye week, of course, that means we need to pick an extra quarterback for the wild card weekend. Uh, so you got to be very careful as you're going through your draft to make sure you have a team that you can fulfill week one during the wild card. And then, of course, uh, fill in after the fact with your bye week players. Uh, once you do that and you get your uh, players picked, you just want to make sure that you have the right amount of running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, kickers, and uh, defense. Uh, you're going to draft from the playoff teams. Once we draft, those teams stay on your roster for the duration of the playoffs. And like we said before, when your teams lose, those players fall off your roster. So you have to pick the very best you can of the teams that you think are going to go the furthest into the playoffs and then into the Super Bowl. Yeah, so exactly. each week we're going to add up our points, and uh, uh, it's really exciting to see because you can be in it any week. Uh, you got to be really smart about what you're picking, and you got to stay alert. Well, and one of the biggest keys is the word project. You got to project who's going to play at least three games for me. I mean, you may want a wild card team uh, this weekend when you're doing these drafts from the pool of players because you believe that wild card team, whoever it is, uh, New Orleans Saints, for example, uh, or maybe the Atlanta Falcons or maybe the Chiefs, somebody that you think could potentially play not just in the conference championship game in a couple of weeks, but in the Super Bowl, because if you do, you're going to get a bonus game out of that, uh, four games versus three games from the teams that have buys. Again, there's a lot of strategy involved in the draft they they have the opportunity to pick from the pool of players in the postseason this is very similar to what you do with season-long fantasy football back in august right before the regular season the difference is smaller pool of players and you have to project uh which guys are going to last the longest because the more guys that stay on your roster then the better chance you have in the cumulative scoring to end up winning in your league right that's exactly right. Let's take, for example, uh, if we take like New England, where most people will think of the heavy favorites, uh, and yet their running attack isn't that strong. Uh, Deion Lewis isn't the top-tier running back, but you know he's going to probably play, like you say, in at least three out of four games. So it's easy to pick the favorites in the big heavyweights, but if they get knocked out early, then, of course, they only get one play or one game <laughs> worth of stats. It really doesn't help you. Uh, so that really that, uh, that sounds eerily familiar to me participating in a similar situation like this, like FanPlayoff.com last year, where I had the Dallas Cowboys defense, I had Dak Prescott, 
I had Des Bryant, and when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers took him out, I had no chance after the, after that in the league because my guys only played one game. So that's kind of the risk that you're going to take. So that's the interesting part here. It's cumulative scoring week to week to week, and whoever has the most points at the end will end up winning. So you're just along the way, you're trying to project who's going to score the most points for me at each position. And in particular, are they going to play at least a couple of games, if not three, maybe four games being in the Super Bowl? That's the guys you want, right? It is. That's certainly the guys you want. So keep in mind that um, we have the standard scoring leadership or leaderboard league, I'm sorry, uh, that is going to have the standard scoring. You just join a league, sign up. But also keep in mind uh, we have full customization leagues. So if you want to create your own league, uh, play by the rules, pick the roster sizes you want, uh, with any, any format that you would like, uh, and you can certainly play that way. Uh, that makes it similar possibly to what you played uh, during the regular season. Uh, so keep in mind that when you log on and you sign up, you can either sign an existing league uh, for standard scoring, or you can create your own league, and you can edit and customize it the way you want it. Love this. And again, that man is Rusty Walker, President and CEO, FanPlayoff.com, with us for just a couple of more moments. FanPlayoff.com live right now. You can go and play free postseason fantasy football like you really never have before. You're not playing head-to-head. You're playing cumulative for the playoffs against other opponents in either a three-man, four-man, or five-man league. Uh, Pick the size of your league, as Rusty said. Uh, You've got an opportunity also uh, to win a $500 prize in either the three-man league, the four-man league, or the five-man league if you play the standard scoring and you are the highest cumulative scorer at the end. The prize is yours. The cash prize is yours. No cost to enter and a chance to win some dollars on how smart you are on postseason fantasy football. But we need to emphasize again, Rusty, when they're going in to sign up, they are signing up and they are playing the standard scoring. When they play the standard scoring, they're eligible to win on those leaderboard uh, prizes, whether three-team, four-team, or five-team. Pick the standard scoring. If you customize, it's up to you. You're not eligible for the prizes, uh, for the cash prizes in those three different leagues, right? That's correct. So when you're in the standard league, you get to play for the money. It's going to be really cool because there's going to be a leaderboard that's posted that's going to show the top teams that are playing throughout fan play. Uh, it keeps it very interesting and see how, see how you measure up against the rest of the world. Uh, so we're really excited about that. Uh, what we have to remember, we've been doing this for over 20 years. This is the most fun we will ever have at fanplayoff.com. Log in, go to fanplayoff.com. Create a team, join a league, whatever you need to do. Get your teams picked. Get ready for the uh, opening day on Saturday for wild card. It is going to be a blast. Remember that after the first weekend, you'll pick a new lineup for next weekend. And uh, it's just going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah, you've got a different pool of players that are available to you, uh, whether that be the Steelers or the Patriots. Uh, likewise, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles or the Minnesota Vikings players, they're all available to you next week at fanplayoff.com for the second round of all of this. Again, signing up takes less than five minutes, and we need to emphasize here one more time. I, I know fans may be listening to us after Saturday, and you may have missed out, but if you're listening to us before Saturday, get there before that first Titans-Chiefs game. Sign up. 
draft your team, have your players, and enjoy the playoffs all postseason long like you never have before. But we want to emphasize too, Rusty, even if they don't have a couple of people to play with them, they can join the public leagues that we have set up. We'll constantly have public leagues set up and drafting all the way through Friday, Friday night, and even Saturday morning and early Saturday afternoon Eastern time, where if they are coming as an individual, they can sign up and play in a fantasy uh, postseason league on fanplayoff.com just as an individual, correct? It's correct, and it's so easy to do. You just When you check on join a league, you'll see the different size leagues. Just click on one. Like you said, take three or four minutes to sign in and register, and, uh, and then you'll actually be sent a reminder right ahead of the draft time. Uh, you can chew your players ahead of time, so you can uh, go ahead and look at your, uh, the players that are available uh, and get ready to go. Because remember, the draft is the most fun. It is really cool. It moves quick. Uh, so you'll be able to do it uh, within just a few minutes before the actual season starts. No doubt about that. And like, like we have been saying uh, in talking to you in the last couple of weeks uh, here as part of FanPlayoff.com, every play means something. Someone is scoring on every play, whether it's quarterback, running back, receiver, or the defense stopping them. I That's mean, it's right. going it's gonna to yes. hinge all the way through the Super Bowl on almost every play, Rusty. Again, it's something we've been doing for a long time, and it is so much fun. So log into fanplayoff.com, click on a league, draft some players, have the most fun you've ever had, uh, and enjoy fantasy football like never before. Yeah, no doubt about that. So again, a three-person, four-person, or five-person league team, uh, you can set that up, or you can just go in individually and join one of these leagues, play for free, play the standard scoring to be part of the leaderboard and the cash prizes in the three-, four-, or five-team leagues that we have. You'll see those leaderboards as we go along. It'll take less than five minutes for you to sign up. The drafts are ongoing at all hours of the day and night up until that Titans-Chiefs game kicks off and starts the playoffs. Once that happens, all the drafts are closed and everything is set, and then we'll see who knows what throughout the playoffs. One more time, Rusty, tell them what they're doing and where they're going. It's going to be easy. Go to fanplayoff.com, join a league, create a league, sign up, draft your players from the teams that are left, it's going to be great. You're going to do it just like you did prior to. You're going to play fantasy football in the playoffs like never before. Go to fanplayoff.com and have the most fun you've ever had in the playoffs. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We do roll on. It is Three Dog Thursday. It is the first show of the new year, 2018, and that means we are ready for the NFL playoffs to commence coming up. We'll call back in Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. Love his insight. You see him all over the site writing. He's with us every week. We've thoroughly enjoyed having him and continue to have him on for the insight and for the analysis and here we go with four playoff matchups for this weekend so we'll let the audience in on out of the four games you and i are going to come up with three underdogs so uh out of it total i i will let you go first on which one of these that you like out of uh, kansas city tennessee la rams atlanta falcons jacksonville and Bu- and buffalo followed by saints and panthers part three in the game at the superdome that'll close out the wild card weekend w- which underdog do you like the best out of out of any of them right now that are on the board and why kevin i mean 
I don't love these games this weekend. We'll get to better games next weekend of the divisional playoffs. But I would say out of the four, I'd probably go with Tennessee at Kansas City. I understand that, you know, Tennessee and Buffalo aren't exactly prom queens. They're not going to really make a big, you know, they're not going to make a, a lot of noise in the playoffs. But you know what, though? The Titans have been an underdog only a handful of times this year. They covered against the Rams in a loss. They covered against San Francisco in a last-second loss. And I know down the stretch, Tennessee lost three straight before beating Jacksonville, who kind of mailed it in in the final week since they had the AFC South title wrapped up. But Tennessee's actually won in their last two uh, visits to Kansas City. And for the Chiefs, this has been such an up-and-down season for them. They started off on fire. They just fell apart, couldn't do anything right for about a six-week stretch, and then played well towards the end of the season. And, yes, they were in an AFC West that actually, you know, Oakland was down, Denver was down, the Chargers were down to start the season, but then played better uh, down the stretch, and the Chiefs beat them at home, which kind of separated the Chiefs and everyone else in that division. But I felt like Kansas City towards the end kind of treaded water, and they and everyone else just, just sank to the bottom. And the Chiefs are still a good team. They're, you know, they're, they're well coached by Andy Reid. But I think getting some points here, this game could be a little bit closer than a lot of people expect. Well, and I like uh, Tennessee had to win that game with Jacksonville. And, and look, give credit to Doug Marone in Jacksonville. He, you know, they did what, what he said they would do. They did everything they could to try to win it. Still had starters in the game in the fourth quarter. Still had Blake Bortles there. Tennessee's defense played well. And Bortles looked shaky. And, and that'll, that'll be more for the Jacksonville-Buffalo game that we'll talk about in a couple of moments. But Tennessee won that game. And Derrick Henry replacing DeMarco Murray, who's got the sprained knee ligament, uh, he may be a big factor again, Henry, in this game with Kansas City. Again, the Chiefs at home at Arrowhead Stadium. They've won the last two years on the opening weekend of the uh, of the NFL playoff season. So let's see if they can win three years in a row under Andy Reid. This one at home for that first matchup. I actually like the Atlanta Falcons in the nightcap on Saturday. The Falcons taking on the L.A. Rams at the Coliseum. Last time the L.A. Rams... Uh, played a home playoff game at the Coliseum. Kevin Rogers, any clue? You want to guess? You want to speculate on Rams at Coliseum? The last time, the, last time the Rams played a playoff game in the Coliseum. Coliseum. My goodness, I feel Co- like every every Rams uh, highlight is Jim Everett at the Meadowlands. Like at the, right at the Meadowlands or at the Big A in Anaheim. That's right. We got to go back to I Jim. I would say Vince Ferragamo. Probably. Vince Ferragamo, very good. And the Rams of the late seventies and Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was the president in 1978. They played the NFC Championship game at the Coliseum and lost to the Dallas Cowboys in January of 78. 40 years, Kevin Rogers. They're back at the Coliseum to play a wild card game with the Atlanta Falcons. And no, Vince, Vince Ferragamo will not suit up for the Rams. Instead, it'll be Jared Goff and company. Call me crazy here, but Atlanta, as the NFC champs a year ago with playoff experience, with Matt Ryan, with Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman uh, back practicing for them. He's battled a concussion down the stretch of the season, but was uh, very effective when they had to win a couple of key games late in the year. Uh, He's back. Only six players, Kevin, from the Rams have ever played in a playoff game, so they do not have a lot of uh, experience, to say the least, on this team. I like Atlanta in that game at the Coliseum. I know you're not necessarily siding with either team here in this game, but playoff football back in Los Angeles. How about that uh, for this matchup with uh, with Rams and Falcons on Saturday night? And I'm going to take the Dirty Birds as one of my underdogs. 
The only reason I don't like Atlanta, or I shouldn't say the only reason, uh, I, I don't trust Matt Ryan on the road. What's Matt Ryan done on the road in the playoffs? You know, Atlanta has taken care of their, you know, last year they had the Georgia Dome, they had the two games right. at home that they won. I mean, I've seen Matt Ryan lose at home in the playoffs, too. I understand the whole Rams and experience thing. I get that. But you know what? I think that they'll finally get a – you hope they got a decent crowd there in L.A. And for Atlanta, you know what? This is a team I feel like just snuck in the playoffs, that they should have lost to Chicago early in the season. They should have lost to Detroit week three, that Golden Tate touchdown. That was a race that would have put the Lions in the playoffs. I think that Atlanta just you know was able to get in. They underachieved this year, and – I think they lose this game. I really do to the Rams, but it'll be a good game. All right, so that's the game on Saturday night. Let's move on to Sunday. Again, it is Three Dog Thursday. Uh, You're not a big fan of either Buffalo or Carolina in this spot. I will take the Bills, though. Something says to me, and I saw them at field level back in October. They beat my Buccaneers, and every win for them mattered because they ended up 9-7 and and getting in on the tiebreaker by beating Miami in the final game of the season and then had Cincinnati knock off Baltimore. That opened the door for Buffalo to walk through and be in the playoffs for the first time uh, since 1999. It's been 18 years uh, for them. Uh, Believe it or not, Bill Clinton was still the president the last time the Bills were in, uh, and it was a different century the last time the Bills were in. So they're in, and uh, look, I don't know that they're going to win this game with Jacksonville, but call me crazy here in the early game on Sunday. The Jaguars have played like garbage the, the, on offense the two weeks at San Francisco and at Tennessee to close the season. I don't know that they're just going to flip the switch on here in this game with a good Buffalo team. I know midweek at the time we're talking, we don't know if LaShawn McCoy can play or how well he can play. You may know this if you're listening to the show on the weekend on whether he's been ruled out or whether he's going to try it. But, Kevin, I mean, am I wrong to be concerned that Jacksonville's offense didn't look good the last couple of weeks? And I know they're hyped up in Jacksonville. It's a, it's a, a massively tough ticket, like we talked about in the first segment with the, the national championship game being so close to uh, Georgia and to Alabama for that. In North Florida, they have been frothing for 18 calendar years since the last home playoff game. The get-in price midweek for standing room only tickets was $240 to get into Everbank Field. So they're fired up, but am I wrong to be concerned that Jacksonville was shaky at the end of the year and Buffalo might be able to keep it close if not win this game? I don't see why not. I mean, we're asking to trust Jacksonville, you know, laying a touchdown, at least a touchdown, and there were a team that was not expected to go to the playoffs. And I get Buffalo probably wasn't either, but the Bills, I feel like, were more on the way to the playoffs the last few years and kind of fell apart. And, you know, they had that one that, that one stinker against the Chargers in which Tyrod Taylor didn't start and Nathan Peterman threw those interceptions. Obviously, LaShawn McCoy is a big factor. If he ends up playing, that's going to help Buffalo. You know, this is a Bills team. You look down the stretch, you know, they lost to New England twice. And, uh, you know, everyone loses to New England, it feels like. But, you know, Buffalo can definitely hang. I don't see why Buff- Buffalo can't win. I mean, with the NFL today, I just, I'd i be shocked if Buffalo beat New England in the second round. That would be one to be like, wow. But any of these games this weekend, any result wouldn't shock me. Right, and Blake Bortles obviously gets a chance at a playoff game as a former top-five pick. A lot of people have been knocking him. Had uh, had big interceptions in San Francisco and a big interception uh, in the game last week against the Titans. So let's see how he plays in this playoff game. Again, I don't know that the Bills win, but I will take the nine points on Three Dog Thursday. That leaves Carolina and New Orleans. You and I both laying off the Panthers. The Saints getting seven at home. Very 
very tough to beat a team three times in a season, which the Saints will have to do against their NFC South rivals. Why, why do you not like the Panthers here in this spot at the Superdome in the late game Sunday real quick? I don't trust Cam Newton. Simple as that. I don't know which Cam Newton I'm getting. I don't know if you're getting the 12 for 27, 130 yards Cam Newton or the 100 yards rushing, two touchdown passes, a touchdown run Cam Newton. And you can go to the, you know, beating a team three times in the same season is tough. Still a tough atmosphere to go into New Orleans, and the Saints have, you know, played well since that 0-2 start. That's the problem is you know that Drew Brees is not going to be horrible. Is he going to be great? Who knows? But Cam Newton has the potential of being horrible, and that's where I don't trust them. Well, and I saw the Saints again last week, saw the Panthers uh, as well two weeks ago. Panthers look very good at home. Uh, Saints came to Tampa, and the Buccaneers handled them, although Alvin Kamara uh, still outstanding uh, on the ground. Buccaneers actually did a pretty good job stopping the run. Kamara had the long kickoff return that helped keep the Saints in the game, and then in the end, New Orleans' defense couldn't make the play. Uh, Tampa Bay able to score in the final seconds with Jameis Winston's touchdown pass to Chris Godwin, and, and at that point in time, you didn't know the result. It wasn't final yet for Atlanta and Carolina, and that game could have cost the Saints this home game in the playoffs. Carolina could have won the division didn't work out that way for the Panthers so the Saints get the home game I wouldn't be surprised again in that electric atmosphere if they put it on the Panthers Uh, we'll see so we'll both lay off of Carolina for three dog Thursday purposes Um, again a great weekend with all the playoff games in the NFL with that championship game looming Monday night Alabama and Georgia and Kevin tell them more about in the new year all the information uh, that you have going on all over the site on VegasInsider.com, sir, if you would. Yeah, we have a, a comprehensive preview coming up for Monday for Georgia and Alabama, the national championship. And uh, I have a couple previews I'm writing this weekend for the AFC wildcard games. We'll have all four games covered. And uh, obviously moving forward, the divisional playoffs, and the conference championships, and going to the Super Bowl. And we can't forget about basketball with the NBA continuing college basketball with all the conference action continuing right now through january and february just a lot going on you can check us out at vegasinsider.com and also on twitter at twitvi very nice on that follow him at twitter at vi rogers follow this show at three dog thursday also on facebook at three dog thursday as well again to go over the underdogs kevin and i both passing on georgia in the college football playoff championship game Monday night. We both like the Tide in that instance uh, to win the championship. Uh, Nick Saban would have yet another one if he is able to get that one uh, against his protege, against Kirby Smart in that matchup uh, on Monday night. In the NFL, Kevin goes Tennessee Titans taking the eight points with Kansas City on Saturday. And again, depending on what point you're listening to the show here, you might be listening on Sunday, might be listening on Monday. You already know these results. We're talking midweek here. I like the Falcons. I really do to win outright at the Coliseum against the Rams with Matt Ryan and company. I'll take the six points. I don't know that Buffalo will win, but I think they keep it close against Jacksonville, close enough to take the nine points in the matchup with the Jaguars in the AFC playoff game, and neither one of us liked Carolina. We both think New Orleans will handle things uh, in that matchup in the NFC wildcard late on Sunday. So there we go with a playoff weekend in the NFL Kevin, uh, we thank you as always for the insight and the analysis. We're off to another new year, and we thank you for being with us here on Three Dog Thursday. Enjoy those playoff games. We'll be talking about the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and a college football champion when we talk next week, sir. Thank you. All right, TJ, thank you. 
There is Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper from VegasInsider.com. A reminder, whether you heard the show on RadioInfluence.com or whether you heard us on iTunes or Stitcher, subscribe to the show through iTunes and Stitcher. Rate the show, rank it, move it up, tell your friends about it, spread the word about all of our underdog selections in football and coming soon, college basketball underdogs as well. My thanks also to Rusty Walker being with us, the President and CEO at FanPlayoff.com. Sign up, sign up right now. Play postseason fantasy football for free. Get your league, sign up and play. You've got that opportunity to win $500 in any one of those three, four, or five-team leagues competing against everybody, but compete against your friends, your fellow players in your fantasy football leagues at fanplayoff.com. It'll take less than five minutes to sign up, form a league. Draft those players before the playoff games on Saturday at fanplayoff.com. Enjoy all the postseason action, NFL and the college football playoff championship game on Monday night. We'll talk to you next week with the latest edition of Three Dog Thursday. Bye. This is the Landry Football with Chris Landry. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We've had a a good um, interaction with some fans talking about paying student-athletes, and we've had a really good uh, emailer that has put forth some well-thought ideas and questions um, in kind of in relation to Tuesday's podcast um, and uh, uh, how we look at the whole process of paying athletes and the money that's available to it. And he brings up some some good points that I want to address uh, for him and for the other listeners out there. And he talks a little bit about the importance of, of players and the games wouldn't happen without the players. And that's absolutely true. Uh, of course, they wouldn't happen without the universities that they represent as well. Um, and uh, certainly, I do believe that there needs to be an increase in the stipend. But I think that there's some other things that I neglected to bring up and didn't do a very good job in the last podcast of going into as much detail as I have in the past. So I want to take the time to kind of go over it again and talk about the things that I think could be improved as far as making the student-athletes' time on campus uh, more comfortable. Uh, I believe that they provide a service, and they work for the university. And in addition to their scholarship, I think what they do brings enough attention to the university and enough positive vibe and marketing to the university that it should provide not only a scholarship, which is worth an awful lot, but it should also provide them more money to be able to live comfortably. Uh, I don't believe they should be paid and should be paid money uh, for their services, but I think the stipend should be equal. Um, and I also believe, and I've said this before in the past, it was about three or four years ago when I spent some time going over this. And I do believe that uh, for players, the particularly ones that have great marketing abilities uh, with their skills, I do believe that taking a fund that is generated from likeness of players should be put in the fund and split three ways. One, to the school. Without the school, you don't have anything that you're representing. Two, I think it should go into a fund to help student-athletes who are struggling with medical issues as a result of being involved 
with student activity playing. We, we talk about it a lot at the NFL level, but we don't talk about it enough at the college level. So I think money should be put into a fund there. And I think there is a fund that should be put for the player upon their graduation at the school. And I think that it, it could be worked to where the longer you stay at the school, the more money you receive. I think coming in for the one-and-done basketball guys or the redshirt sophomores in college football that leave early, you get less money because you didn't stay there longer. I think that's only fair. You stay there full four years, you get more money, money that's put in and invested for you for your future. I think those things are on top of what I mentioned the other day in terms of making sure that all of their their clothing and housing needs are very well taken care of, um, in addition, obviously, to the best nutrition. If we're going to develop these players uh, as coaches, we certainly need to do the best in terms of the nutrition in areas. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com. 